Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by PNC Bank. Coming up on NBA Today, an interview with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Steph Curry, ahead of a massive Game 3. Plus, his teammate Draymond Green, our panel on whether his emotions are an asset or a liability. Hmm. And why can't the Jays seem to get it going on the same night? A surprising stat and discussion about how they rarely go off together. NBA Today starts right now. Oh, yes, we're back in lovely Boston. It's a balmy 80 degrees out. The sun is shining. The city is absolutely buzzing. And TD Garden is going to be rocking in a little more than 24 hours for a pivotal showdown between these storied franchises. This is NBA Today, presented by PNC Bank. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Malika Andrews, joined by Zach Lowe, Richard Jefferson, and Chanae Agumake. All very important people in their own right. At least they're important to me. We've got so much to get to, but we have a more important person than, than you. Oh, we do. oh yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. by far. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Right, see, like, I wasn't even trying to throw shade, I, although I could use a little bit. Yeah, it's hot out here shade. in a double-breasted suit. But I had a chance to sit down with Steph Curry himself. We covered all things finals, his journey to get here and more. So let's start there. Check out our conversation. Steph, Steve Kerr described your third quarter of game two as breathtaking. If you were to describe it in one word, what would that word be? Oh, uh, I mean, just impactful in terms of just trying to help us win the game. There's a time where you're trying to exercise the demons of what happened in game one mm -hmm. uh, and not let the momentum slip. And understanding how Boston plays, um, you know, we, we needed to create separation and needed to figure out a way to, you know, really take take hold of that game um, and, and get back into the series. So there was just a moment you hit a couple big shots, you get a couple good stops, get the ball moving a little bit, uh, get our crowd into it, and and we took care of business. So hopefully we can bottle up whatever that was, that momentum, you know, take it on the road, bring it here to Boston, and. And, uh, and try to steal game three. Maybe bottle up a little bit of that Jordan Poole half-court shot. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Clay Thompson, it, it means a lot to all of you. I know from talking to you all over the last couple of days to be back on this stage, but for Clay in particular, after everything he's been through, mm -hmm. I imagine it means a little bit more. What do you all need to do to help him help himself get going here? It's a tricky thing. Is it's like you don't tell Clay Thompson to do anything different. He's Clay Thompson. We've seen it year after year after year. We've seen it um, him impact the series with you know a breakout game. We got a nickname Game Six Clay for a reason. So there's nothing really in terms of his confidence or uh, anything you need to say to him uh, to help him. It's just a matter of understanding how Boston's defending him and, and where he can. Kind of let the game come to him a little bit. They obviously know what he's capable of, and you know they they send a lot of attention his way to keep a body on him and try not to let him get any clean looks. Um, and so whether he's getting you know 
a bunch of shot attempts early or late or wherever it comes in the game just to be ready for his moment because he knows it's coming. Um, and over the course of a series, uh, I'm not a, not a real gambler, man, but I've, I've put a lot of money on the fact that Clay's going to you know, have his moment and shine and, and impact the series in a, in a significant way. Um, and that we can, we can trust on. I, I think if history's proven anything, it's yeah, that you can probably bet on that. <laughs> I'm not a gambling person either. But for the last two years, Clay went through his own ordeal with injuries, but so did you. You dealt with injuries, losing in a way that you hadn't in a very long time. How did that change your perspective on getting back to this stage? It just gave me more. I mean, I've always had an appreciation and sense of gratitude for all your accomplishments in this league because you understand how hard it is to win, how many things have to kind of go your way, all the work that you have to put in to get to, to be prepared for those opportunities. Mm. Uh, the injuries and you know, that two-year hiatus, it reminds you of all of that. And then once you start to get back on that mission, uh, the way that we started off this season, you realize how much of a marathon it is. Um, and I don't want to take anything for granted in terms of you know, where I'm at in my career, 13 years in, you know, 34, you don't know how many more opportunities you'll get to, one, be on the stage, but be, you know, where I feel like I'm in my prime uh, to be able to, you know, take advantage of those opportunities. So uh, there's a lot of emotion and uh, pressure and anxiety and all type of emotions that goes into, you know, this, enjoying this moment. And I want to experience all of that because, it's what it's all about. It's what you know, playing this game at the highest level uh, it brings out of you. It's interesting you said that now is your prime because there are some who might say, well, what about the back-to-back -back MVPs? What makes this different? Why do you say that now? Just the way I feel, uh, the ability to match, you know, the progression, I think, in terms of my skill set and all that with just the mental awareness of uh, and composure of all the different experiences I've had. Like, I don't feel like I've lost a step at all, but I understand, you know, there's uh, a lot more for me to do out there on that court, and uh, I appreciate every moment that I get. Draymond, when he was sitting in that chair just a couple of days ago, he said that he knew that, in his estimation, he was playing with one of the greatest to ever play the game in 2017, 2018, but then in his words, in 2020, that's when you became unstoppable. What do you think of that timeline that he laid out? He's my ultimate defender. I think it's just, <laughs> a, it, uh, and I appreciate the journey. When you look at like, from the time this, this run started in 14, 15, to now, um, you know, I play the same way still have the same joy, the same flair for the game, but I think, I don't know, there's just a different sense of peace when it comes to knowing what I can do out there, and it comes with a different demeanor mm. and a different confidence, because uh, you've been through it all before, and, and you understand that the hardest part is to keep repeating it, keep doing it over and over again, so there's a sense of, uh, uh, of pride that comes with that, for sure. Um, and I feel like I'm still getting better, so. I don't know if that's the mentality I have to have to keep this thing going for as long as you can. Uh, you got to almost like trick yourself into thinking that, you know, uh, you can keep doing this year after year after year. Yeah. I, I know the goal is, is bigger. The goal is another title. Mm -hmm. But we saw your face, the jokes, when you won the Western Conference Finals MVP. What would it mean to you to win Finals MVP? 
I mean, it would mean everything because obviously, I, well, pretty much means you're winning the series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except and for like, uh, very few times. I know. You think about uh, like when Andre won, when KD won his two. There's just so much joy in that moment. No matter who wins it, there's so much joy in that moment. You want to be able to experience it. And I think the context of every series changes in terms of like what it's going to take to actually win. And I think for us to win this this championship, get three more wins, and, and hold that Larry O'Brien trophy, like I'm going to have to keep playing the way that I am and, mm -hmm. and hold myself to that standard. Like you said, the, the, the smaller trophy isn't the motivation at all. Um, but you know what comes with with winning the big one and what it takes to do that. So I'm focused on that. The fact that I have another opportunity and we have another opportunity to be here on this stage after the conversations over the last two to three years, that says a lot in and of itself anyway. So right. I'm excited about it. Well, speaking of those last conversations, the last two to three years, it's rare in this era, Steph, for a player to play his entire career with one franchise, mm -hmm. and you chose to re-sign with Golden State when, when you could have waited. You could have seen the way that it shook out this year. You could have chilled, seen how Clay came back, how others came back, how you came back, if you could have gotten to this place again, but you didn't. Why? It's the faith in what we've built. Um, there's a confidence in our culture, and that's kind of the taboo word, but it's like, Everything that we've done and built and the way that we do things, I feel like my fingerprints all over that, Draymond, Clay, Andre. So to know that we had an immediate shot to kind of redefine what Warrior basketball was, who knew what this year was going to look like, but to now you know, be back in the finals and, and truly look, well, not too soon, but look ahead and think, you know, next two, three years, who says we can't be back on this stage? So. Uh, I just have so much confidence in the ability to do that um, and to sign up for the opportunity to kind of defy the odds um, and create a new uh, understanding of what, uh, what my place in Warrior, Warrior history is. Um, and now we're here. I mean, it, it kind of could be the ultimate place if essentially you're, you, you've signed your for your entire career to be here. I said my problem, I'm 34. See how I many years I can push it, but yeah, <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> um, before I let you go, we, we've seen an uptick over the last couple of days in NBA players and teams bringing awareness to Brittany Griner's wrongful detainment in Russia. And a sentiment that we've heard over the course of this, fairly or unfairly, is that if this were LeBron, if this were you, the situation wouldn't be continuing to the degree that it is now. What do you think of that? I mean, there's there's something to that. I think uh, it's obviously from the time you heard about the story and kind of unfolding yeah. and understand what, what she was going through and where she was at and the helplessness almost of like, what, what do you do to, to help get her home safely and, and, and quickly? And now we're over 110 days, I think, um, around there that she's been, you know, wrongfully detained. So it is an unfortunate situation, and it's 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 a it's a tragedy in terms of you know she needs to be home, she needs to be safe, she needs to be with her family, she needs to be um, you know you know back home. I think if you compare it to what the noise and the conversation and the awareness of her situation versus somebody else, like. I don't like to play that game because 
right now it's just about getting her home and yeah. everybody, you know, joining that effort and joining that front to make sure, you know, she's, she's talked about. Um, and all hands are on deck and all resources are thrown at getting her home as, as, as soon as possible. So I know those, those efforts are ongoing um, and hopefully there, there'll be uh, some positive, you know, ending to this, to this, uh, to this story. Yes, absolutely. Steph, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Appreciate you. So a whole lot of interesting things that Steph Curry said in that conversation, but one of them was that he feels like he is still in his prime. That's despite in 2015 and 2016 being when he was the back-to-back -back MVP. That was several years ago. Richard, do, do you agree with Steph? A hundred percent, I agree with them. It's you can win the MVP because you had a great year and your team played outstanding. You don't win 73, 73 games off one singular individual performance. That was an outstanding team performance. So for Steph Curry to say, "Hey, look, I'm still in my prime." Well, look, he just won the Magic Johnson. He just won the Magic Johnson Award. He just got his team to the finals after getting Klay Thompson back. Is there any indication that uh, that we see that he's not in his prime? I haven't seen anything. Absolutely. Yeah. They're 1-1 in the finals against a great team mm. that's built in a lab to defend the Warriors. Jordan Poole's had one good quarter. Klay Thompson's had two bad games. Wiggins up and down. Draymond up and down. Everybody up and down. Gary Payton played only one game. They're 1-1 because Stephen Curry has 63 yep. points in two games on 21 of 46 shooting, 12 of 26 from three on a, against a defense that is making him work as hard as any defense I've seen make him work in a long, long time. Is he in his prime? If he's not in his prime, we're, we're, the rest of us are toast. Can yeah. we say hell yeah? Like yes. He is for sure in his prime, and I think we're starting to see with especially how science is moving. You know, LeBron James playing great late into his career. He's 34 years old. Yeah. So he's significantly years younger than LeBron. He knows how to take care of his body because he, his first year, we were talking during the break, uh, his first few years were tough, and so he had to figure it out early, and he's been able to maintain that. Remember, the conversation was a lot about his conditioning and building up muscle in the beginning of the year. Well, that pays off right now in the postseason in the NBA Finals. And this is a guy who's averaging about double next to his teammates, uh, the Warriors. He's averaging 31 in the NBA Finals. And lastly, Malika, you started this conversation about how many, you know, great points Steph brought up. And I would like to say that, you know, mentioning in your question, Brittany Griner, I'm, two days ago, I was playing the Phoenix Mercury. Mm. And the fact that, you know, the NBA and the WNBA, so many players are aware of what is actually bigger and, you know, lending their voices to that conversation to me that just was a, a, a nice moment that Steph said hey as much as we're playing you know in the NBA finals this is a priority for us to bring her home we want her home so overall this is the quintessential leader that you can see like that's why didn't Adam Silver as you mentioned say hey like it's great when the Warriors are in the NBA finals and this is the reason why Steph is showing you that he's in his prime he's he's a voice and he's really mature throughout this experience it was interesting to sit down with him because that's kind of what I got from him too is that not only has he continued to mature and change and improve as a basketball player which should be scary for the rest of the league, uh, including the fact that, you know, one of the last questions I also asked him was, it's rare these days for one player, especially a star of his caliber, to play his entire career with one franchise. And so to see the steps that Steph has made with this franchise has been fascinating. I believe that primes are being extended. Steph Curry is still in his. One thing I know for sure, Richard Jefferson is not. Still. <laughs> He's um, not a prime. Uh, I'm yeah. not either. Oh, no. It's okay. No, I'm no, no, 42. Still... Way to go out on the limb there, Malika. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Tanae, you are. Uh, Thank you. Still to come, though, on NBA Today.
riddle me this, guys. Why can't the Jays get going on the same night? It's a little bit rhetorical. I have a shocking stat about their inconsistency Ooh. that maybe you'll you'll find interesting, Richard. Uh, and, and should the Celtics consider a Draymond-centric attack? Our panel on whether Boston could harness his passion. We're going to explain that shortly. And his teammate, Gary Payton II, he joins us in just a little bit. Don't miss Gary Payton on NBA Today. Oh, you are shortly. entering your prime. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. NBA Today is presented by PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference. Well, that was cute. Cutie. <laughs> Back here with Richard, Zach, and Shanae. I'm Malika. That's I'm Malika. You're Malika. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. For, thanks for letting everybody you know. know. Uh, we're presented by PNC Bank. And ahead of tomorrow's Game 3, the Celtics, they took to the microphones today. So here's what Boston is collectively thinking ahead of a pivotal showdown. Just not keeping it simple. Um, you know, you look at Game 1 where we had 33 assists on 43 baskets. We were crisp and sharp with our ball movement, not playing in crowds. And it led to a lot of wide open threes against a team that packs the paint. So, you know, obviously last game to have 19 for 33 and 11 in the first half, 15 of those 19 were steals. And so that's directly playing in the crowd, um, unforced at times, but also over penetrating. So uh, got to have carryover and consistency in that area. You know, we looked at the numbers overall. We're 13 and two when we have 15 or less turnovers in the playoffs and we're zero and five when we have 16 or more. So that kind of tells the story. For the most part, it's usually the same thing, spacing. Um, we get on top of each other. Or we don't um, have we move with purposeful actions all the time. We kind of don't set screens the way we need to, and we kind of get jumbled up together, which allows them to guard us a lot better or a lot easier than they should be. So we just got to emphasize, you know, our spacing and, and and be ready for you know what they do best and do what we do best. I've seen as a huge debate: is he a superstar? Is he not? Uh, I want to know where that came from. Like, did I tweet that? Did I ever say that I'm a superstar or, you know, I'm on the verge? Like, I, that never came for me. But it has been a big deal this last year and a half or two years. Um, and I see it all the time. And there's always been a question in the back of my head. Like, I wonder who spoke on my behalf or said that or why that was such a big deal. Um, but, you know, if you win a championship, they can debate a lot of things. They can debate whether or not, you know, you're a champion. Mm. Mm. Interesting. All right, some numbers real quick. Even though Tatum is knocking on the door of Superstar, I'm not sure where he left that, that conversation, but he has had one outlier low-scoring game in every series this postseason. The good news, though, for Boston is he got that out of the way in game one. He scored almost 30 points per game for the playoffs in games besides his lowest-scoring game each series. But I want to circle back because everyone's ears kind of perked up when, when he was talking Unintended. about this. <laughs> oh, yeah, we miss Perk. <laughs> about, this, about this superstar uh, moniker. And we've 
we've had a bunch of conversations. I'm I'm a stickler when it comes to the superstar. I don't yes, think yes, that there. I think that it's like a very very rare air. And so there's a whole bunch of players that are knocking on the door of superstardom. But to me, you have to check off the box of not only your play, which I think, by the way, Jason, that's where it comes from. That's when you started to get this sentiment. It's because you are playing, sir, like a superstar. So hats off to you. But it's butts and seats. It's casual fan uh, appreciation. I think all of that goes into superstar, which for me is why it's like Steph, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Nikola Jokic knocking on that door. Potential. And then to me, it's like Embiid's not a superstar. Embiid, Embiid's a superstar. Well, I mean, what do you think of this? What, what do you think of this Jason Tatum superstardom talk? I agree with your um, your phrasing and that he is knocking on the door. And a lot of times superstardom is one in moments. And so if mm. you're able to bring the Celtics to yes. an NBA Finals and win a championship, then people will probably say he has arrived and you are a superstar. And by the way, Jason Tatum, JT, like this is a great compliment. Yes. Your play has dictated you being in the same conversation as superstars because we look to you as that next generation star by how you play. And that's why a lot of people really enjoy the comparisons also with Kobe because it feels like that legacy is alive and thriving within the NBA. I know a lot of people look into game two and say, oh my goodness, if you look at the stats, he's minus 36, which by the way, you know, you, I'm glad you brought out those outlier games. He's minus 36 and plus minus, which by the way is the lowest we've ever seen in the past 25 years. I saw that floating around NBA Twitter, like don't panic so much. It's okay when you NBA Twitter equals panic. Oh yeah, it definitely does <laughs> normally mean equal panic, but like I, you just point it out like typically they're outlier games and also yes. he was the only Celtic player on the floor in that entire third quarter where the Warriors went on that run so really that minus 36 is probably more like minus 15 alongside the rest of his team and there are good things to have confidence since we're in Beantown right I think he was six for nine from wow. three you know his yeah. stroke is out there the rest of the team was nine for 28 only three guys in double figures. So Ime Adoka is absolutely right. They have to share the ball. They have to get back to, you know, uh, finishing shots. And, and honestly, like, I'm not feeling bad. You split on the road. So this is not a problem. Zach? What, what are we doing here? Like, what what's going on? Like, Jason Tatum was first team All-NBA. He's the best player on yes. the finals team. He scored 47 points against the Milwaukee Bucks on the road. Thank you. With no their season on the line. I don't know what the rubric is for superstar. I need a spreadsheet I got for all your different categories. <laughs> Jason Tatum's a superstar. He's not knocking on the door. Knocking on the door? Then they're like, oh, please let me in. Jason Tatum has the key to the door. He's a top 10 player in the NBA. He's a superstar. Done. He's in the finals. 1-1. What are we doing? What's happening here? I'm, I'm with Zach. I'm a Zach. Well, so here's my my thing. The other thing about superstar, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get my. Did you hear that, Jason Taylor? Did you hear that? But my other thing about it is it's it's the longevity. It's doing it over time. And so there are people who are superstars in moments, and then there are other players who have earned the moniker. I'm thinking of a, a Kevin Durant, for example, of superstar, kind of no matter what he does for the rest of his career, LeBron James, because of his play up until this point. Jason Tatum could and will get there. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying, like, the, it's it's a complicated. It's I will get it's, to the. It's rubric. not that complicated. Okay. It's, it's not that complicated. Richard I think and I really what, rarely get to be on the same page. Yeah, like this is a good feeling. What I like was this. actually in my notes before we got well, before our ears perked up and we started talking about this was the inconsistency of Jason Tatum. I don't think though that superstars somehow are not allowed or burgeoning yeah, superstars, I? however you want to say it, aren't allowed to have inconsistent games. So we're talking about the Jays. By the way, I hate the nickname the Jays for that. Really? And like how they they don't they haven't scored 25 together in one game and inconsistency. Well, they actually we, did it in the Eastern Conference what, Finals. Whatever it is. Whatever it is, Janae, okay? Um, <laughs> can we it. just talk about what's, what they've faced? 
The Bucks are the number one defense in the playoffs. Absolutely. The Heat were the number four defense in the regular season. The Warriors were the number two defense in the regular season. Like scoring 25 points in a game is hard. Mm. Being consistent against those teams is hard. Like the defense, this is like the hardest basketball gets right now. That's why fewer and fewer players can get on the floor. Right. That's why I don't think he's inconsistent. I don't think he's inconsistent. He had an off night, and, and to say he's inconsistent implies that the other team wasn't responsible for that. Right. And great players, what they typically do is they see how they were affected. Did they shoot too much from the perimeter? Did they not attack too much? Did they get in foul trouble? What was my mentality? And so we've seen every single time he's had a subpar game for him, he has shown up because he has gotten better. So I think to say that he's inconsistent, you're not really watching the game and you're taking away credit from the teams that have actually done a good job defending him one game out of seven, you know, out of six, uh, seven games before, two games here in this sure. series. You're allowed that because just like a team can have an off night you can figure it out and figure out how to be aggressive moving forward well and part of that is because in a seven game series there are so many adjustments that are made so still to come on nba today we're going to talk about those adjustments Ooh. which big adjustment <laughs> that transition Janae, richard and zach what? think that they need to see for the celtics in game three don't miss that and yeah. we've already had steph on this show how about his teammate gp2 is in the building gary payton just minutes away plus draymond green he plays with passion he plays with grit everything in between should the celtics use that to their advantage yep. we'll explain nba today continues after this sound like e40 nope <laughs> yep. this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest detroit style pizza in the country there's no competition Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. The Warriors starting to put together one of those patented third Steph was breathtaking in that order. Doing my job. Curry in his bag. I know my energy oh, and never die. I need my inner peace and peace of mind. I'm making history with all the guys. I am not Watches. satisfied with getting by. Oh, yeah. For the momentum. The Warriors have responded. The past don't matter. We just got to raise our level of intensity. You know, they raise theirs. We got to raise ours. Not getting any easier. It's only getting tougher. So, got to take that up another couple notches. All right, welcome back to NBA Today, live from Boston. So the Warriors, they were able to even up this series in Game 2 behind several adjustments from Steve Kerr. So let's take a look at some major schematic differences Golden State deployed that impacted the final result here. All right, the first. After Klay Thompson was the primary defender on Jalen Brown in game one with 41 half-court matchups, Golden State, they switched it up, made Draymond his primary defender with 23 such matchups in game two. That's according to Second Spectrum. And it worked out well for the Warriors. Brown scored just two points in those matchups against Draymond. 
the Warriors. They also switched it up the way they defended Al Horford. In game one, his average shot was 20 feet away from the hoop, and he had about seven feet of space on those attempts. That's also according to Second Spectrum. And all of that space led to his team-high 26 points. In game two, the Warriors made sure to put the ball on the floor, cut his average closest defender distance down to two feet. So a major change there. Jordan Poole struggled in game one. We all saw it, scored just nine points, making one of five three-pointers, but provided a major boost off the bench in game two. Scored 17, made five threes after being targeted with 13 shots as the closest defender in game two. He defended only six shots in the next game, game one and then game two. And then... After the Celtics, we all remember what happened. Outscored the Warriors by eight in the paint in game one. They were outscored by 16 in the paint in game two. The Celtics, they shot just 40% from that area in game two. Their third worst paint percentage, shooting percentage in any game all season. That includes the regular season. All right. That was a lot. That was a lot. That was, that was, lot. That was, that was heaven for me, yeah, for like the numbers and analytics. That was heaven. Richard really? looks like really? he I love that. Yeah, I, I can't wait that for the like barber shop, for the barber shop talk of like, hey, look, when he was two and a half feet away, no, they, they, they switched it up. Now they only like, gave one and a half feet uh, of distance. It's like, man, they, the they, they closed the gap. In in seven game series, <laughs> both Ime and Steve Kerr, they have a chance to pour over the tape from the first two games. And now for nearly 72 hours, they've been looking at this over and over and over again. So, Zach, I, I want to start with you here since you kind of sort of not as much as Chanae, but kind of sort of liked what we did there. Maybe learned I did, a little bit. I see. did. I so, he's yeah, got to be so yeah, grumpy so about grumpy. everything. What adjustments do you – stop talking. What adjustments do you want to see made in, in game three? I'll give you two for the Celtics. Number one, I think they need to get to their white, smart, Tatum, Brown, Horford lineup faster. I think that's been their best lineup in the playoffs, particularly the last two series. It's taken them too long to get there. And the Draymond on Jalen Brown thing is interesting to me because it's almost a double-edged sword for the Warriors. It can take away Jalen Brown and Draymond was incredible and the idea of having that guy in my face for 48 minutes is really just unpleasant but it takes him away from the basket and he takes their best rim protector away from the basket and the Celtics started to figure that out at points in the game if you're face guarding Jalen Brown 30 feet from the rim there's nothing there other than maybe Looney's on the floor. He's been very yeah. good. But when they go small. That's not good defense right there by they, Draymond. But, but he's charged with guarding Jalen Brown, and he's got his back turned to the action. When they're small, he's their only rim protector. They'll play him on Horford and, uh, more in those scenarios. But I think the Celtics can use Jalen Brown off the ball and do some decoy stuff with him and say, we're going at the rim harder because, yeah, you're on Jalen Brown. You're taking our second-best player away, but there's no one at the rim that really, really scares us. Grumps? Well, well when I say good defense, and, and I'm sorry that, I, I, you know, as a basketball player, I don't appreciate the the two and a half feet, the thirty but second like montage, montage that we just did. There were translations to like barbershop that are used. No, there was not. Numbers. There was not. Anyways, what the point that I was trying to make when I said not great defense there by Draymond is because Draymond is a great individual de defender. And look, if you're just going to face some, face guard somebody, and maybe that was the game plan, but you got to be able to do it. And what Draymond has been one of the best in the league at is he can guard someone and still be a help defender. He can guard someone and still get but back that, to the rim. That's why they put him on guys who aren't as dangerous as Jalen Brown, so he can do more of the get, to get the in and yeah and help. And so like. 
when they start to learn at the Boston Celtics, you can start positioning Jalen Brown in the place where now all of a sudden, you know, you're going to get easier roles. You're going to have, you know, you know, you're going to have two on one on the backside. There's a lot of th different things that they can do. For me, what I want to see from the Boston Celtics is I just need to see more attacking of that paint. I just need to see more of it. Don't settle on so many jumpers. We are seeing Draymond block jumpers. With all due respect to Draymond, he's not jumping 40 inches off the ground. <laughs> Attack someone if they're closing out. I know that the three-point line is a huge weapon, but don't let it also be a problem. If someone is closing out to you, drive them. Pump fake and drive and get an easier shot. If they can uh, uh, win that points in the paint, because you're not going to outshoot the Golden State Warriors. You're, no one has ever since Steph and Clay started doing this. You're not going to outshoot them, but you can beat them up in the paint. I think that's what they need to do more of. And that's what Coach Ime Odoka basically said. We need to share the ball, and that's that draw two mentality. You yep. don't just settle for the shot. You attack, draw two, kick, and that's naturally getting their assist numbers up. Now, I think, personally, it's all about the third quarter for the Celtics. Period. Because the Warriors, they had an opportunity. I know they lost game one, and they were up about 12, you know, when it came to that third quarter. Yes, they could have been up 20. So if you look at the point margin, the Warriors are plus 14 in the third quarter in game one, plus 21 in game two, plus 35 overall in the third quarters. If I'm at halftime, Richard, what do you put in that drink before you get the show? To, it's coffee. It's like souped up coffee, okay? Like, at halftime, I am putting something in there, and I'm like, hey, y'all, let's get ready. Let's get juiced up because this is where the Warriors, and we've known historically they do damage in that third quarter. We have to go out there and say we're going to hold them or we're going to outscore them or we're going to hold them defensively, you know, to, to little points because that third quarter is where they, over the course of a seven-game series potentially, that's where they're actually winning the games. The other obvious one is Curry is just destroying them on pick and rolls. And and I think we are going to see Boston adjust. I think they need to be careful about over adjusting. Like the yeah. obvious adjustment is let's blitz him, blitz him, blitz him. The Warriors have been winning that battle now for almost 10 years. If you trap Steph, he hits Draymond. It's four on three. It's death from everywhere. I think they need to be careful about over adjusting. They'll mix it up. But I just think their base coverage is right. They've executed it really, really badly. And Steph, if Steph keeps playing like this, with this efficiency level, the Warriors are winning the championship. It had the Celtics just have to be better. I agree. Wait, 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 and no, I think, no, 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 can, can I get my point out Real before we get it? Okay, really quick. You're Stop absolutely right. Papers, when Steph bro. gets going in the pick and roll, guess who else gets to mimic that? Jordan Poole. He gets downhill, and that's where he can operate with space, and that's why he was more effective in game two. But Richard has a point to make because he. I don't have a point. Now. Stanford keeps cheating off my homework. Here's Whoa. why all of this is important, lady and gentlemen. In a final series that is tied 1 1, the game three winner, they go on to win the series 82% of the oh, wow. time winning 32 of the 39 finals. The Warriors, however, they've lost game threes twice in the Kerr era when tied at 1-1 in 2019 against the Raptors, 2015 against the Clevelands. The Clevelands? <laughs> the Cleveland Clevelands. The Cleveland Clevelands. They came back and beat the Cleveland Clevelands. Still ahead on NBA Today. One-on-one -on -one with Gary Payton the second. Do you know that he applied for a job within the Warriors? It wasn't on the court. Wow. Better be coming with no strings. Better be coming with no strings. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
to wait to throw that up to Gary Payton II. This is Gary Payton. Payton, wow! Curry, kick out to Payton, testing that elbow. It's okay. Worst. Welcome back to NBA Today. We just heard from Steph Curry about how two-way guards are important to the Golden State Warriors. Richard Jefferson is not important to me. I had a chance to sit down with the comeback kid himself, Gary Payton II. Take a listen. Way to get through it. <laughs> Gary, you busted onto the scene this year with your defensive plays, but you also had some pretty impressive poster dunks. If you were to choose, Gary, between a poster or a big defensive stop, what gets your teammates going more? Oh, I think uh, probably the, the poster. Uh, Wiggs had one in the last series that got us going, and, you know, they, they finished off the series. But, uh, you know, that's huge from Wiggins, you know, just to have that excitement and that energy and that passion from Wiggs that, you know, you don't see too often, you know. It gets everybody going, gets everybody fired up, and wants us to do it again. I understand that you all rotate, but you guard Steph Curry in practice. There's not a lot of people who have had that experience outside of the league. Can you just describe what it is like to try to stop him? Um, stop is a, is a difficult, difficult word to use. So, uh, you know, we just try to maintain him and try to, you know, hide him as best as we can on the offense, I mean, on the defensive side. But, you know, it's a challenge every time. Uh, I learn every time I guard him that something new, you know, try to take away something that he likes and just try to disrupt him because he's conditioned. He's very smart and he's has his uh his his robin with him uh, draymond you know and then draymond gets him open and gets some clean looks so you know just try to navigate around all of them too and you know stop him as well as just it's a task folks at home might not know this but at the beginning of the season after you'd been cut by several teams after you spent some time in the g league you were looking at the golden state warriors to apply for a job but that job wasn't on the basketball court. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, I knew my chances, you know, they were, they were telling me my chances was kind of low to making a team. So I was just trying to, they had a video coordinating job open and I was trying to, you know, get in that job, uh, try to ask for an interview for that job just to stay around this team and, you know, be around the team and see if I can help. And, you know, you never know, a 10 day might pop up, you know, in between that, in between that video coordinating room. So, um, you know, I just stayed with it and, uh, you know, next thing happened, they got a call saying we figured it out, and, uh, you know, I'm staying. So that was a uh, no more video coordinating job. <laughs> but how far down the line were you of really thinking that you were going to be working in the video coordinating room, not being on the roster? Oh, um, it, it came very, very real for, at the moment, you know. Um, like I said, they cut me, and I was like, uh, next step was go back to the G or, you know, try to stay here and be close to the team. So I try to stay here close to the team, and next thing you know, I'm getting a call saying, you know, you're the 15th man. So... Uh, worked out. <laughs> well, and that speaks to your perseverance, though. That's something that you've had to go through your entire life. I know you come from a family of ballers. Everyone knows about your father. Some might not know that your mom, she was a big baller, including at Skyline High in Oakland. Whose game do you think you model after more? Uh, it's a little, little shaky, but I'm probably going to have to go with Monique. Uh, she gave me, the, you know, the, the passion to fight. Uh, I think a little bit of the dog in there. You know, she, she always had to, to thug it out, you know, growing up. Uh, trying to make teams just like me and you know she always wasn't the best so you know just to have that carry over to me and you know go through what everything I've been through I think uh, I kind of simulate my, my mom a little bit more than my dad lastly 
I know that when you were growing up, you were diagnosed with dyslexia. It's something that you've worked through to quiet the voices that are in your head that say you can't, that say you're not quite good enough. How were you working on quieting those voices when you got hurt and when you were working to get back? Because I imagine they got pretty loud. Oh, yeah, um, but I've been through that, uh, you know, with the voices telling people, I tell me I can't go, uh, even coming from my father, you know, telling me I was a, not a good, very basketball player. So I don't say anything, don't talk to nobody about it, just go to the gym and work, you know, and work. And, you know, when the time and the moment comes, um, I show them what I've been doing and, and just uh, make them eat their words. So, you know, uh, I just come here and play and let, let the game, you know, speak for itself. And the game right now, I would say it's speaking for itself. Best of luck in game three. Thank you so much. Game three of the NBA Finals is tomorrow at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific on ABC Deportes and ESPN Radio with the series moving to Boston tied at one game apiece. By the way, shout out Mark Jones holding it down yes. for Mike yes. Green who will be back. Coverage tips with NBA Countdown at 8.30 Eastern. It's the good, the bad, the ugly. It's it's the full-on Draymond experience. Richard Jefferson with a surprising take about baiting Dre into text. Stay tuned. What? I do? <laughs> Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Welcome back to NBA Today, presented by PNC Bank. When did you know tonight was going to be like extra amped, Draymond? About five minutes after game one. Oh, Draymond putting some muscle Steph Curry sets the tone on the offensive side of the ball. It's my job to set the tone on the defensive side of the ball. That is some defensive sequence by Draymond Green. We had to come with a much better focus and, and sense of aggression. It started right from the beginning. Draymond played a huge role in that. You know, first play, we come over to jump ball, then we come over to turnover. Green ties up Horford. Not getting any easier. It's only getting tougher. Got to take that up even another couple notches. It was very clear from the very first possession of game two that Draymond Green, he was going to play an emotionally charged game, right? And making sure the Celtics felt his presence while the clock was running, and it turned out pretty well, right? So take a listen to what Ime Odoka had to say when he was asked about the Celtics' plan to deal with Green. Let's say be who you are, and if you want to ignore, ignore. If you engage, engage. Do what you do. Be who you are. And um, the main thing is to continue to stay composed. And with us, I don't think it's the talking as much. I mean, it's the physicality that they brought that was noticeable. And at times, you know, talking about the first Milwaukee game where the adjustments Miami made were to try to be more physical. And so uh, we know, obviously, what, that's what Green does. And it tries to kind of bleed over into the team. But for us, it's, it's to be who you are. I told him if I was a player or who I was, I'd probably get a double technical immediately. But that's not everybody. And so do what you do and block it out or, or I mean, physicality, physicality with physicality. 
I mean, I, I appreciate the honesty there from, from Ime Odoka. Yeah. And Zach, on your podcast recently, you and Jeff Van Gundy had this discussion. You posed an interesting question. How would you deal with it? What would you do? Do you, do you try to stop it? Do you take the high road? Richard never takes the high road, but what would you do? Oh, I'm King Petty. Uh, okay, we're going to get Richard Petty real quick. Okay, so this is the issue. It was a missed opportunity in my, in, in my thoughts because of this. Right now, when players get hit in the face, they will roll on the ground mm. to try and bait the official to review and a possible flagrant. That's what they do. They're not all dying over there in pain. It's very soccer-esque, if you, if you ask me. But they're doing it to try and bait the officials. My thing is this. Draymond is one of the most emotionally charged people in the NBA. That means sometimes it works great for them, and sometimes it has worked against them, even against his own team. So I'm not saying that any player should go out there and try and start something with Draymond. You shouldn't try and go do that because I don't think that's basketball. But if he engages you, you engage back. If Jalen Brown, if you don't have a technical and you can engage and make a little bit more of a something out of nothing and then he gets tossed out of the game and you only got one technical, to me, that is something that you should do for the same reason why we sit up here and like old school basketball players. Larry Bird, if you had a back issue, the first thing he would do is forearm you in your back if you tried to post up. If you miss time with them. It's a, with true. A, they look it, at those injury they, reports. They look at those injury reports. If you had a messed up thumb, first thing they're going to do is swipe down at the ball. Let's see how healthy that thumb is. If you can try and bait the officials, whether it's on a block charge, on a laying down on the ground and rolling around and acting like you got a flagrant, you can bait somebody into a technical. And if Draymond is going to engage you, then you engage back. And that's, that's just my opinion because you should. Everything that you do out here is tactical and the goal is to win a championship. And if they could have gotten Draymond kicked out of the game because it was his second technical, Draymond's going to engage you. It's your choice. Like Ime said, I would have engaged back. Why? Because that would have benefited your team in a positive way. This is not just about X's and O's. This is purely about how do we use every advantage we can. That can be the other team's emotion. That can be our emotion. How do we use this to the best of our ability? I, I like the soliloquies that, that Richard has I know been he's delivering like on, on the show yes. recently. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you, Richard. After the break, tell me what soliloquy means. <laughs> soliloquy. Almost. I can't. Yeah, you're so close. Uh, here are our next games on ESPN2 and the app. Next Tuesday, Diana Taurasi and the Mercury. Gee, they yeah. take on Elena okay, Deladon and the Mystics. Guys. We just played Seven Phoenix Eastern over here, Pacific so calm down. Brianna Stewart and the Storm, Bunny they face DC. off against the Lynx. We'll be back in 60 seconds. They just be giving you that work, don't they? First of all, that's fake news. giving you that work. Fake news, you hey, NBA Today is presented by PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference. All right, welcome back to NBA Today. First, I want to explain why I was laughing earlier. Is this video of an orangutan? Don't, just, don't, don't. <laughs> just go watch don't. it. And I'm going to leave gonna it there. I'm going to post it on TikTok for you guys. Gosh. Bye. All right, before we wrap today's show, Chanae, I, I understand not the video of the orangutan. There's no. something oh, that you want to break down from San Francisco. Yes. What was that? Game two, the most important play. Clearly oh. this one right here. So here's my cheat sheet for how things went down. Uh, Richard, you started off with a pump fake here. Because <laughs> I wasn't going to 
do it. But guess what? Malika recovers very quickly, right? So she gets ready. And actually, I was so shook. I was like, should I protect my girl? Look at me, freeze frame. Should I protect my girl? But then guess what? This is actually interesting. Guess what, Malika? You went first. You hit him. But disappointingly, Richard actually, like, actually really tied to my Today, because Richard's arms are longer, like he has more force, and to his like get hands are that. bigger, so like exactly. and I, squeeze, I, I squeeze it around to so like the side. I'm just, I'm just gonna say that it was way harder on I me than it was on him. NBA Today will be back tomorrow. NFL Live is coming up.